House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Jason Halpin. Run at gmail.com is our email address on today's show. We'll talk about Caster Semenya being reinstated, at least until the end of June. We'll recap the Stockholm Diamond League meet. We'll talk about the NCAA outdoor championships that are coming up. And we'll also preview the Rome Golden Gala meet, which I'm on the website right now, Jason, and I don't know about you. But I use the tool sometimes that is known as Google Translate. Mm. And it gives you some good ones here. How about Launch of the Javelin Women is one event listed here with okay. the help of Google Translate from Swedish or excuse me, from Italian to English. Then we have the old men weight casting. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. Then jump with the women auction. <laughs> that doesn't sound legal. Yep. That's yeah. Then at 2013 o'clock, we move on to 400-meter obstacles women, which was okay. preceded by 400-meter obstacles men, and we close it out. That sounds like the aggro crack to me, so I'm all for this. <laughs> well, we close it out with the 110 obstacles men, but I think, I mean, the real, the best event here has got to be that launch of the javelin women. I, I can't wait for the launch of javelin women. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's I could have told you this, those trans. You know, I went I went to Italy for honeymoon, so of course I was directly translating those myself. But yeah, the the launch of the javelin women is is good. Oh, I also see this thing opens up with a twelve by two hundred relay, which is dangerously close to a thirty two by fifty. But it's Ooh. not just a twelve. It's not just a twelve by two hundred. It's a twelve by two hundred relay men's and women's youth batteries. <laughs> I don't know what this is, and it's amazing. Yeah, this is wow. Well, there is heats, and then there's a final for that too, which is actually pretty amazing. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good meet, good meet, even uh, despite some some strange events there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want to know how the the obstacles. This just sounds so much cooler than hurdles. I think we should switch that name in English. Yeah, the obstacles. I like that. Like, wh- what do you got left today? Oh man, I got the open four. Then I got the four hundred meter obstacles. <laughs> Maybe coach will put me in the four by four. Let's start with Semenya. This happened this morning. We're recording this on a Monday evening. A Swiss court, which I should say right now at the top of the show, neither Jason nor I are international sports law experts. And if you know somebody who is, give me their contact info because I'd love to have them on the show. The Swiss court said that they're going to temporarily block that that uh, CAS or the IAAF ruling that said mm. Semenya would have to take uh, hormones to suppress her natural testosterone, or a rule that applied to not just her but Francine Niansaba and other DSD athletes. So basically, she has this this appeal period is going to go until the end of June, right? Um, and until the end of June, she can run any event she wants. So I don't know if this means the 2,000-meter run is off. Mm. The meet formerly known as a pre-classic where she's going to run the 3,000 is after this deadline. So that remains to be seen. But I guess more more confusion here, 
Jason and, and what the future is for Caster Semenya. Let me read actually this paragraph to act, if people don't know this issue. I'll do a better job explaining it here. This is from NPR. It says, uh, the Swiss federal Supreme Court will give the IWF a chance to submit its arguments for maintaining its regulation that effectively bans Semenya. The court will then issue what could be its final ruling on the IWF's prohibition that blocks female athletes with high testosterone levels. The IWF has warned the female athletes they need to drop their testosterone in order to be eligible to compete. So they have time. Um, but basically this just suspends it, right? It, it, it says she can compete right. until there's time for a, a full ruling. Again, I had no idea. Most people, I think, assumed Kaz was sort of the end of the line here. Yeah. That's not the case. There's this Swiss Supreme Court. Maybe after that, you go to the intergalactic court. I, this is Space this is interesting. Big, yeah, exactly. Uh, what's your as our chief legal correspondent? Yeah. Uh, what what's your reading on this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I like you. I thought that was kind of it. I mean, I I don't really. Yeah, like it's a because since I don't know anything about this basically it is just a obviously a delay uh where she gets to run more so i mean that's that's exciting because uh it turns out women have a hard time uh breaking eight uh, breaking two in the 800 without yes. a the best rabbit ever um so that that <laughs> makes things a little more interesting um yeah i mean i don't know what they're going to end up deciding uh obviously but it's just i guess the more uh the more you can go through this stuff the better um i, I just don't know yeah like what is this the kind of thing that should have happened before she got suspended at all? I don't really, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't, yeah. And is there another level beyond this or this, uh, the Swiss S- Supreme Court? I don't know. I guess that's it. I guess the, the IWF is located. Is I thought its headquarters was in Monaco. I'm con- maybe, maybe, maybe Kaz is located in Switzerland. So they have yeah, final say. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I, I guess let's just be ignorant full on. Like if the NBA banned somebody, could the mm-hmm. supreme? Could the supreme? I guess it depends what they were banned for. I guess. Yeah. The supre- I guess the Supreme Court could get involved and say that their rights are being infringed. This is interesting because it's just. It's and that's so, so much gl- easier with the NBA because you have like one. It's a global league. league. Yeah. yeah, and it's whereas you know with with track and field you have these you know you have the IWF but you have like the Diamond League you have these weird off meets you have the World Championships mm-hmm. and Olympics and everything's a different committee and it's so. Yeah, just it's it's even more complicated when you have all of these different governing bodies ahead of you know right. kind of overall one sport. Well, you have a South African athlete taking something to court in Switzerland. Yeah, uh, to about an international governing body. So you're right. It, the, the NBA analogy was not appropriate for. No, many, but I mean, it, it, many, yeah, levels, it's just, it's, it's just like, yeah, running is, it's so much its own thing. It's, it's hard to, I guess, compare anything to it really, but it is, it is weird. Yeah. It's just like, okay, well we thought it was closed because that's just what we, 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 we really don't know, you know, when things get, we get run up this high because this is just like kind of uncharted territory. I was talking about this with my colleagues the past couple of weeks in, in the office. Well, basically since the CAS decision and you you and I might have touched on this or danced around it when we were talking about how she should just run the first 800 of a 3000 and and call it good. Yeah. But we were th- well there's a there's a more efficient way to do that and a more realistic way to do that which is okay say the IAAF rule stays in effect and she can't run and she says I'm not going to take hormones. There's nothing stopping her from running non-sanctioned meets. Yes. 
Okay, so this seems like an opportunity here, especially for an apparel company that sponsors her. An apparel company that also put on an unsanctioned race in the men's marathon in the mm. past that no one really cared, didn't abide by all the quote unquote rules and check all the boxes. You could have a you have a, a breaking one fifty three. <laughs> yeah. And 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 then it's her not just against the clock, but it's her against the entire sport in essence. They wouldn't let me run. I have to create my own meat so I can run, and it's not going to stop me from breaking the world record. I mean, not she a- could Jericho mile it too, and just like during the world championships, run it by herself in a prison yard. Counter-programming. Yes. Yeah, and then when she wins, she throws the watch up in the air and it explodes. Do you like this? I, I think it's not... I mean, if the choices are that... Now she'd have to get it funded, obviously. The choices are that or run the 3,000, 5,000. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's certainly... I mean, obviously, I would watch. Pe- I mean, I'm intrigued by her in the five, too, to but... Her, well, wouldn't people pay more attention to that than just running regular Diamond League meets? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, I'm intrigued by her in the five, but I still don't think she's better than the upper, upper echelon of 5K runners. So I don't, you know, I think yeah. it'll be interesting and I think she could run well and, you know, but not like, I, I don't think she's a metal contender in that um, until I'm proven wrong in that. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that is that is much more interesting to, to see if, if something like that were to happen. You alluded to the women's 800 without Semenya and no one broke two. In Stockholm. Yeah. But that was probably one of the highlight events of the meet, regardless, because this was, was a it? this yeah. was a tough one. It was like mid fifties and dreary, and the times were not good. The competition was not particularly compelling. Steve Cram, the commentator, called the men's fifteen hundred the worst Diamond League fifteen hundred he's ever seen. To which I say, Mr. Cram, welcome to the party. We've been here for a while now. You, om- I think you almost could have extended. Now we say this every. There's always one meet that's a complete dud. Yeah, you could almost extend that sentiment to the entire meet. I- Real quick, let me throw in this though. What channel is BN? What time zone is Doha in? I don't understand the point system. Where is the? 5,000. I got a virus from this Russian stream. I forgot to set my fantasy team. I always select Perkovich. Every 200 has Edward Alonso in it. This is the Diamond League. This women's eight, though, it, it was just so predictable. You're right. They didn't have the rabbit. They didn't have the woman out there who's willing to push the pace. And they didn't have Nian Saba, who's always second in command seemingly what do you get you get too flat yeah which is fine a two flat race can be interesting but it's just so apparent yeah Najee was now i mean was obviously much better than everyone else in that race i mean just cost was in there but and alemu but it's just yeah i mean you're, you're not i mean she you know she normally runs 157 mm-hmm. every meet and it was just you know but she's second place to someone's running 155 156 uh yeah across the board i know i'm just going through it's like we were like okay michael norman's running again that's enough just to 
get intrigued by that, and she runs, and he runs forty four five. But he, you know, he completely dominated the race. It's it was unrealistic to expect him to run, you know, forty three mid or forty three low. Uh, but part of us, of course, wanted that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that fifteen hundred was was not the most fun. Um, Let's go through these. One I mean, Dina Rasher Smith ran a really solid time at two hundred. Uh, that yeah. would probably be the, maybe the best performance of the meet. Yeah, well, that her and Ronix Kiprocho in the ten thousand. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go through these one by one because I think okay. I don't want this to get lost in the annals of history about how bad this meet was. I want this <laughs> to be remembered for uh, men's two hundred uh, winning time twenty oh six by Aaron Brown of Canada, beat Julia some, by over three tenths. Yes, you know, <laughs> the world champion. That's how that works. Alonzo Edgar got last, so you know it's a fraudulent oh, race. Man. Brutal. Uh, the men's quarter you mentioned. Obviously, times were slower by at least a second because Norman ran 44.5 <laughs> and he ran 43 mid last week. Brian Benjamin, good race in second, 45.13, just blew out the rest of the field. I mean, he beat third place by over a second. Mm-hmm. 800, you have Amel Tuka, who used to run 140, what did he run that one year? Three, and he runs a 146, so that was cool. <laughs> men's 1500, the aforementioned men's 1500. I'm going to find this uh, um, quote. I know Lincoln put in his recap. I mean, there were so many good runners uh, in this from, race from that, that, and that's part What's of that? it. That I said, there's just so many, so much talent in this race that you just go like, yeah, because the you have pacing was Solomon, disaster. Ingerbritson, yeah, Burgeon, Tefera, Wote, Managoy, another Ingerbritson. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's a loaded field, but right, the pacing was ridiculous. Yes, they went out in fifty four five. I don't even the first two hundred was something even dumber. Yeah. Um, Lil Britson was way far back, I and mean, he kind of ran smart, actually, like a a, a good race for Ingerbr- and then almost got second, barely lost to Suleiman. It was just a complete mess. Here's the quote. Here's the quote from, um, Steve Cram. I'm gonna hang that out as the worst 1500 Diamond League race I think I've ever seen. <laughs> just awful. Elijah Managoy just gave up, and this is on the main broadcast. This wasn't some guy on Twitter. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's hard Steve to defend. Well known second best Steve to Prefontaine in, in distance running, <laughs> saying that. Yeah, that was it, it's a it's a tough one to defend. Like I said, I mean I I think I slightly defended the fifteen last week. I said, hey, you know, we got some we got some oh. Britsons, we got a lot of talent in here, this could be good. And well, it wasn't. But let Okay, so ten thousand, men's ten thousand how long did the Pacers last? Maybe six laps, something mm-hmm. like that. And I thought the whole goal was to run, get that standard twenty-seven forty, maybe a little lower, maybe twenty-seven twenty-eight to get the Olympic standard. Not many chances to run the Olympic standard. Maybe that was it. But the Rabbit started off running at that pace and then ran like sixty-threes, which is like really fast, and then mm-hmm. just like pieced out. <laughs> it was like they had dinner reservations or something. Ronix Kiprutu was the last man standing. He somehow managed a 26.50 in this. He's legit. This might have been good enough to make him a... With Farah out, this might be enough to make him the 10,000-meter the favorite. There's not going to be very many 10,000-meter races between now and the world championships. So this one carries a lot of weight. Beats Gebrowet by 11 seconds. No U.S. runners got the standard. Chalimo yeah. just, just missed it, 27.43. So he was off by three seconds. So that was a decent race. It was outside the TV window, so I don't know how many people paid attention to it, but it was a it was a decent race. Formula hurdles, Carson Warholm dominated, then ripped off his shirt at the end. To which, I mean, 
I don't want to go full Jason here and say no <laughs> celebrations are bad. <laughs> looked a little looked a little premeditated to me. Mm. I like my celebrations a bit more spontaneous. Yeah. And also it's just hard to take it seriously when Samba and Benjamin aren't there. Yeah. It's Yeah, yeah nothing against TJ Holmes and Thomas Barr, but you can't really you know, I mean, it's good for you. It's like it's like if the Warriors, like after like it, like sweeping someone in the first round, yeah, like we're just like popping bottles of champagne and like mm-hmm. doing backflips. You'd be like, all right, like cool. I mean, good. You, you did what you're supposed to do. But the women's results were better. You mentioned Dean Asher Smith, twenty two eighteen in that weather. Whew, no yeah. joke. I think she's the because Sean and Miller Wable can't double because yes, that's the uh, yeah that'd be her you only. Have- but not her only competition, but that'd be her best. That that would be an amazing race between those two. But yeah, twenty two eighteen, she beats Elaine Thompson by half second. Half, half second. Yeah, there. Then Shippers was in third. This, this was a decent field, and she handled him. So a good run for her. That was a legit performance. We mentioned the women's eight. Thompson perfectly though, still staying in that middle ground of twenty two six, where you just go, uh, all right. Like I just, just she won't let me go either way on her yet and it's the the ambiguity zone she beat shippers and you're like okay cool but she you know lost by half a second and Mm -hmm. ran 2266 which won't get you anywhere Mm -hmm. so keep it up keep it up thompson (laughs) women's 15 you highlighted this before it was laura muir yeah against her little sisters basically and she crushed them all 405 37 she won by four seconds women's five was a complete mess there were Two falls. One of them affected Helen O'Beary, and she got second to last. Yeah, which was weird. There was a Canadian record though from Gabriella debut Stan Stafford. Excuse me. Yeah, she ran fourteen fifty one. She was in a lead with a hundred to go, but Agnes Tierup won it. Women's high hurdles. Kenny Harrison pops a twelve five. Yeah, that's. Pretty, I mean, that's like sta- kind of middle ground for that, I guess, right? Yeah, in the, in the weather, I'll give her credit, just like I will for Asher Smith, and that was. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So if you didn't watch it, didn't miss much. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't. I mean, it it, it did it wasn't even on paper. It, I mean, there were a few things in there, um, but it you obviously didn't have quite the names that you know that we've seen so far. That Rome looks like it might be like. So yeah, it was just it wasn't set up to be the best meet, and then it kind of bad weather and other stuff just made it not the most exciting. Let's chat about Rome, shall we? Yeah, we got a men's two hundred on tap here. Ooh. Lyles v. Norman. That's they met it. last year. They met last year. Yeah, right there. <laughs> it's over. Hopefully the sun comes out. Ramel Guliev also in there, but let's be honest. This is between Lyles and Norman. They had a good race last year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, and yeah, this is going to be fantastic. I mean, they're, you know, Lyles has run 1960 50 times. Norman's mm-hmm. already ripped off a 43 4. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. I'm already forgetting. Um, 43, 43, 45. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so that's... that's uh, what else would you want with unless these two guys who, you know... Just... Love this. I love this era of sprinting in, in no, the Kevin, first it's, month. It's ruining it that they're facing each other because then it eliminates the excitement. Is that what it was? I'm trying to remember what in the, the excuses uh, were. In the beginning, in the first month of the season or so, first month of the Nine League season, we've already seen... Lyles v. Coleman, and we're going to see Lyles v. Norman. Pretty good. That's, man, I just feel like we're really going to regret that, though, later. Here's what Noah Lyles tweeted not too long ago. Scrolling through his Twitter. 
I, I know it's in here somewhere. Here, I keep going. I'm going. He's got a lot of retweets here. Uh, we're on. First 200 of the season in six days, and I'm trying to scare the world low-key. Yeah, I mean, he already beat Christian Coleman in the 100, and that's, you know, something that maybe not everyone expected. I mean, he, he's going to he's gonna run really well, and Norman's going to be right there. I mean, this, 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 I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, a PR from... Well, someone responded... I guess you open up with a nineteen seven seven, and he responded faster. <laughs> yeah, I agree. What, what's this PR like? Nineteen six five four somewhere in that range. It um, is. Oh, we should know this. Six five. There you go. Okay, so yeah, um, we've seen some crazy performances early. I think. Uh, yeah, I think he dips under that. And I mean, Norman's PR is nineteen eighty four, and he's going to destroy that. But I'll, I'll take Lyles over Norman, which isn't saying anything crazy but i think they're both going to to run really fast and guliev's going to finish a solid third in 2008 wait you think i just want to be clear here you're saying pr for lyles yes okay yeah it's early. i know it's early me. i mean but i i think he is i think he's going to have a very very good season i think he's going to get in the 194s for sure and maybe the threes mm-hmm. um and i think Ooh. he he runs yeah low sixes high fives here I'm more confident in a Norman PR. I think both. I feel great about PR. that one. Yeah, yeah. That 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 seems inevitable, just because Lyles has already run so quick. Yeah, so I, I can see him. Didn't he run 1969 like three times last year? Yeah, he ran between 1965 and 1969 four times. I think. So yeah. yeah. If he starts there, I think he's obviously in uh, in great position for this year. What was his? Because this is right around the time of pre. He, oh, so he ran 1969 with a 2.0 at pre. Yeah, I guess like 19. I'll go 19.70. Okay. And then I'll go. So when he ran 1969 last year in Lausanne, that was the race with Norman, right? I'll I'll take your memory over mine in this one. I think I'm right. Let me double check. Yes. So 1969 to 1988. So. I'll go. I'll go 1970 to 1979. I think Norman closes the gap a bit, a okay. tad, a tad. But I'm with you. Long term, this like this year, I, I see him sub 19.5. Yeah. What else we got in this meet? Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously the biggest highlight. Uh, women's 15 is very good, and unlike the men's 15, it's been like that, and it just where well, it's always great because <laughs> these women are win- willing to run and make it interesting. I mean, you have. You have Dababa, Muir, Simpson, uh, Sayum. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's th- those three alone is, you know, Muir makes things really interesting by herself. Dababa still, when I look at her PR of 350.0, is weird <laughs> and crazy. Um, we got Gabriella Debuse Stafford in there too. Who knows? What could happen? Uh, Chabet's in there too. So more I mean, Canadian records. Yeah, Let's Canadian go. records always a possibility. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you put those those girls in there. I I think I'm going with Muir on this one. Going with Muir, huh? Yeah, I think so. She's sharp. She ran that 405 and beat a lot of. No, just kidding. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, she's. She, I mean, she's. She never finishes worse than like top three, which uh, I would expect her to do in this. And I mean. Yeah, it could be really interesting. And it'd be interesting to see Simpson, too, because she's been great for a very long time. Um, 
but it seems like she might be getting passed uh, a little bit. So let's see what happens. By by Shelby? Yeah. Yeah, like in, in the US and you know, I mean it's I, I'm I'm not willing to say like her, her metal times are, are completely gone at this point, but I hope right. she can I hope she can stick around a little bit. Well, this will be her second outdoor race. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And it's like, yeah. I mean, she finishes sixth in this. It's not a big deal, I don't think. But mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I'll be kind of tracking this year. Men's eight will be fun. Yeah. Brazier, Murphy, along with Nigel Amos. That's good. A little preview of what's to come at USA's between Brazier and Murphy. That's like an underrated. Because... I, mean, I guess he's run 142 before, so I'm going to throw him Ooh. in there. But. Um... We haven't seen they've they were ships passing in the night when they were in, like in the in, in NCAA. Brazier only stayed one year, and yep. like they never really they would run different events. Like Mur- Murphy would be in the fifteen hundred when it seemed like Brazier was in the eight. And there's just so much here. Yeah, I think this could this could develop into something really fun between those two those two Americans. So I'm not gonna take it. I'm not gonna take it for granted that we're seeing them. No, I agree. Yeah, they've both had. I mean, been very, very good, but also had like kind of weird where it's just like guys you would have expected to race like five times by now and have like some good races and it hasn't really Mm -hmm. happened. All right. What else should be? Actually, let's, I want to look up the, uh, I want to see the head to head. I think that would be fascinating all time. It's going to be like they've raced five times and it's been close. Yeah. (laughs) Jason. Nice job. Uh, let's see if I can pull this off here. Brazier and Boom, here we go. Okay, this is just over 800. According to Tyler Sapaja, they've raced five times. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, here it is. Uh, Olympic trials in Eugene. I mean, yeah, I guess race. that had to be, yeah. Well, Brazier went out in the first round, so right. that doesn't count. Um, then USA's the next year. Murphy remembered it. He was going for the double. He didn't make the final. Yep. And Brazier won it, so that those, I mean those don't count. And then Milrose last year, Brazier was second, Murphy was fifth. USA indoors last year, Murphy didn't make the final. I don't remember that happening. And Brazier won. And then Boston this year, they went one two. I'm only counting one of these. I'm only saying they really ran once. That's not, is, I mean that seems fair, yeah, because like every or twice, twice tops. All those championships. Three of these are, have been yeah. complete weird where one of them yeah. goes out in the first round or both do, or it's been, yeah. it's been strange. They basically raced. They've been relevant for a while, both of them. And they've raced. I mean, they've been relevant since 2016 collectively. Uh, I, Murphy the year before too, because 2015 was when he got on the U S team, right? Cause Simmons was protesting. That was 15. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So really only two times, once in 18, once in 19. Yeah. That's what I'm at. At, 800 meters. They're, they're, they could have run a 600 somewhere along the lines. <laughs> Probably. Or a 1,000 that I'm missing. That'll be fun. Women's foreign hurdles, Corey Carter, Jalil Muhammad, Shamir Little. It's a good, another good USA group there. And then the, the women's 100 with Asher Smith. Maybe she's the favorite in the 100 too. I, I mean, Toulouse in there as well, which will be, which be good. Toulouse has been, been good there. Thompson's going to finish third. Um, English Gardner's in there. So that's... Yeah. Something, you know? Yeah. Let me see her back. Yeah. Um, and then the men's 5K, which, you know, 
who knows what we'll get out of that. But you have you have some games. You have Borrega in the, there. You have the Chepsigai. cousin of the men's fifteen hundred. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it, it definitely could be that. But I mean, Borrega chipped a guy. Gebrowet, Philip mm-hmm. Ritson, um, <laughs> Tanui. He's he's no longer Middle Britson. He's now Philip Ritson. Philip Ritson. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, like you, you have a lot of good names in it. That could be could be interesting. Um, ben True, Nick Willis, Justin Knight. Justin Knight. Mo- yeah, I mean, so Mohamed. Yeah, I, I think that's that's on paper. That's really good. We'll see if they they decide to make it that. Philip Britson. That's clever. Nice work by you. The other big meet of the weekend, NCAAs, in my current hometown of Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. Starts Wednesday, early meet. Men go Wednesday, Friday. Women go Thursday, Saturday. The headliner, biggest race of the weekend, is Holloway versus Roberts. Yeah. Uh, I'm on record, as of this morning, as saying both of them are going to break 13. It's got... It's going to be the best hurdle race of wow. the year. That'd be the best hurdle race in a few years, if like not even NCAAs, just in general, if that's the case. Could be the greatest hurdle race <laughs> of our lives, Jason. I mean, these guys are dropping 1310s and 1312s in prelims when they're not racing against each other. Like Every sign is there that when they go against each other, assuming wind and weather and all that stuff cooperate, right. that they can go under 13. Like they're not just knocking on the door. They have one of those police battering ram type situations on the on the door. Yeah, and they're flirting. I mean, they're just, they're doing more than flirting with. It. I don't want to go too much into the imagery with that word, but they're just <laughs> they're they're heavily involved in 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 breaking thirteen. I think one of them could run like something stupid in the in the semi. Mm. One, one of them could drop like a thirteen oh two or something in the semi just because as the rounds progress, they're taking it more and more seriously. It's just, we went over last week, just where they sit on the all time list. Yeah. And Nehemiah's Ronald Nehemiah's collegiate record. It was, it was, it was a big jump from where he was to his, his 13 flat. So these guys certainly, they have times that indicate that they're capable of of running under 13 seconds, and I think we're going to see it from both of them. I mean, I like I like the boldness of that prediction. Um, I'll say one of them gets under there, though. I, I mean, I would guess Holloway, but I think mm-hmm. one of them get under there. But hey, I hope you're right. That'd be way more fun if that's the case. It's interesting too when we talk about legacy. You know, Holloway pulls us off, obviously, greatest collegiate hurdler of all time you can make an argument even if he doesn't win he's the greatest collegiate hurdler of all time maybe that some of that's dependent on if roberts beats him like what roberts runs right to beat him but but the guy is is perfect so far in ncaa championships in his career so i i think he's gonna hold on to that regardless still fun to consider the possibilities and it's just yeah it's tough it's it it's it's just great that like his best his biggest challenge is coming his last time out for this title. Yeah, that's fun. the best. I mean that's like we I mean we said it a hundred times that Holloway was was the superstar, you know, coming in here and the fact that the one guy we were like sure is, you know, like a metal threat and a gold medal threat and all this stuff and he like has legit 
great, great competition to like maybe mm-hmm. not win NCAAs, which is fantastic. Yeah, he could set a collegiate record and not win the race. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Right. What else are you looking forward to? Men's five will be great. We've seen Fisher, Grant Fisher of Stanford, Morgan McDonald uh, go head to head a couple times this year. Yeah. They're both in their last season. McDonald's got the better of him in the championship races, beat him in cross, remember, and then beat him indoors in the 3,000. Fisher got him at Milrose and beat him in the West Prelim a couple weeks ago, but that doesn't really count. McDonald was was jogging. Last time his collegians competing, we'll probably see him compete in the pro ranks, but, but for now, we get to see him really battle it out one last time and there's a wild card in that race jordy beamish the mile record holder from nau or the mile record holder, the mile indoor champion from nau mm. has opted to run the five and he's a big kicker obviously with his with his mile exploits so an added dimension there i think that'll be a fun one to watch men's 200 divino to Duru, big favorite he's yeah 1976 this year maybe he'll go to rome like immediately no wait it's the same day <laughs> never mind he can't get in that race or can but, he Walter Dix's collegiate record of 1969, I think, is vulnerable. Um, that'll be fun. Women's distance, Wayne Kalati, New Mexico, gets her first individual title in the 10K, I think, on Thursday night. And then the five is interesting because she's going to come back in the five, obviously. And Danny Jones has only run – this will be her one – I think this will be her third race of the year. Mm-hmm. She's dealing with injuries, right? Cross-country champion Danny Jones – who's a really good 1,500-meter runner, has decided to run the 5,000 instead. And it's, this will be an interesting test case in how quickly she can round into shape because I don't know how long she's been really doing workouts for. She's not experienced at all in the 5,000. Obviously, she's a great cross-country runner, and that, that carries over. She's the only one, I think, who can keep Kalati from, from the double. But it's a very different situation than we thought going into the year. I thought it would be her versus Hull in the 1,500, one last battle between those two. Yeah. And, and instead she's in the five and she's coming in definitely short. She's not, she hasn't run a full season. So that'll be, that'll be cool as well. Mondo's going to pole vault very far, very high, not far. Maybe he'll do both. Maybe <laughs> height isn't enough of a challenge for him. So he'll try to go both height and like he'll clear it and then he'll push away from the bar and, and try to get a, a good mark there too. I like it. I'll just start going over canyons and stuff like that, trying to. <laughs> it's like evil Knievel with a pole. Be tremendous. Yeah. It should be it should be fun. I think if you're looking for fast times and, and collegiate records, pay attention to that that men's two hundred. Women's two hundred could be good too. Women's high hurdles. Janique Brown's run the fifth best time ever in the NCAA. Or fifth best. She's the fifth best performer all time in the NCAA. Maybe she gets something. I'm curious with the weather. This is just a completely different situation than Eugene, where it was cool, wet, a mm. little windy. This is just going to be, unless the weather changes dramatically in the next 40 hours, it's going to be steamy out there, which will be great for sprints as long as the wind doesn't get too crazy. But for distance, it's going to shake things up. What's the temperature been out there lately? Uh, I mean, it was high 90s today, but the humidity was... Like, I got out of my house this morning at 7.30, maybe, mm-hmm. and I took one step, and I was like, this is awful. So if that... <laughs> that sounds it up. I, no, I know exactly what you mean. That's not... 
<clears throat> that's not a number. That that doesn't tell you the dew point, but <laughs> it's bad. On Sunday, those of you who follow my Strava know, got up very early and ran. Uh, we started running at 6.15 a.m. on Sunday, and within five minutes, it's just you're completely soaked. Oh, man. With sweat. So the, the humidity is is stupid high, and the sun out here is just relentless. Now, on Wednesday, I think there's supposed to be thunderstorms in the forecast, but that just makes it more humid. It's just, it's, te- you know, in like Vegas, it kind of like, ra- like when it, you get the rare cloud in the summer, mm-hmm. it like legit cools things off. Or if it rains, like you get a nice, cool breeze in the air. Yes. In Texas, when it rains, it just sounds like, or it just feels like someone grabbed like a wet sock <laughs> and then like douse it in hot water and like covered it over your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it, it's just not it's not pleasant at all it just teases you yeah not good yeah i was thinking i mean it, you know it's funny we kind of figure out like where to go on vacation this summer and so i was like hey, you know i still need to visit kevin and no, i'm not going to do that come. during the summer i just no. it's going to happen during the fall or during the spring and that's going to be it you definitely should come you're welcome to come anytime we have a guest room and i know a little uh kipchoge eaton would love to see you yeah but you're right you shouldn't come. my friend scott came last summer and i was like when can i pencil you in for this summer he's like i'm just no offense but i'm not coming <laughs> well and, and he, i mean to go from vegas which you know yeah, be getting, going away from 115 yeah. it's like do i want to go to a place that's could be worse in some way like that's just that's not smart he it it just dramatic it's just like it, it's similar to vegas in that sense where it just dramatically impacts how you spend your time oh yeah and and when scott was here he was just getting he was just getting tired because it was so hot and it's just so sweaty and you had to just like limit the activities you could do. And a lot of eating is done outdoors here mm. at spe- specifically the restaurants I like to eat at. And that's a chore, man. Yeah. Like, that's no, g- give me that, give me that barbecue and let me sit in a, <laughs> on a bench in 90 degrees. It just, it takes a lot out of you. Uh, so I, yes, I, I recommend not visiting during the summer. I do not work for the convention and business authority. <laughs> Yes. So everybody go to NCAA's and uh Well, here's the thing too, like I made a pack to myself this summer to spend most of my free time in water of some sort. Mm. Whether or not it's well, it's a pool, river, lake or something. There's just no reason to be outside in the summer if you're not submerged in a liquid. Right. It's a good call. Yeah. Even melted otter pops or something like that. Just always yeah. be in some form of liquid. <laughs> All right, uh, we can. What should I be watching for for you at NCAA's? For I'm me, personal. Yeah, for you. Like, yeah, I'm taking personal requests here. Like, what should I be? Like, what what questions should I be ready to field from you? Oh man, next week. If no, none. I'm trying to think. I mean, you're gonna you have to keep me updated on what kind of what kind of snack situation we got going on there. Is a good. You okay. know, is the food any good? What's going on? Um, I mean, you covered I'm, most of the stuff. I'm you know on the track that I'm really okay. interested in i mean holloway v roberts will be the be the highlight obviously but yeah some some good distance races and everything there um i don't know if i if i have anything else i feel like you, you summed it up pretty well i'll keep tabs on the unlv people for you how about that please do yeah I, i'm sure there's gonna be a lot um mm-hmm. you got you got that women's 800 meter runner She's yeah legit this year again that's right so yeah yeah Dis- let me know how distance you as it's known yes of course <laughs> distance you <laughs> All right, let's move ahead to email. We have some emails about NCAA's, among other things. So we'll we'll loop back around and get those. 
Run at gmail.com is the email address. Let's start here with Dan from Chicago. Yeah. No formally from, so he doesn't get a drink. Nope. That's how that works. <laughs> Gentlemen, long time, eighth time. I like the way he jumped into that email. Yeah. I've, I have two questions that are heavier than your usual fare. It's hard to believe. <laughs> dig into the deep stuff here. I wouldn't have thought to send these to you, but with your willingness to wade in on the Semenya debate, maybe you're open to something a little more sociologically heavy. It's my middle name. Bring it on. Yeah. We opened the show with Semenya. Uh, <laughs> he starts with first – so he has two topics here. First, how inspirational is too inspirational? Disabled athletes competing against able, able body athletes is usually a feel-good at least up to a point. Uh, at what point do we go from thinking that's great, good for them, to thinking hmm, their accommodation seems to be giving them a competitive advantage? Mm, yeah. uh, second, second, uh, how much of Matthew Bowling's cultural cachet is a function of race? I'd like to think little to none, but I don't remember Trentavis Friday. He's the record holder at 10 flat yeah. for high school. Getting this kind of mainstream notice in 2014 or even Lyles and Norman in 2016 with their performances at the Olympic trials, is it just that social media or virality have evolved in the past three years or is this another example of the great white hype? I appreciate your consideration. On a lighter note, I visited Cincinnati several times for work and it has left no impression on me whatsoever. Except for this fun fact, Jerry Springer used to be mayor. Oh, that's right. I, I, I did know that. I don't know what to make of it, though. I don't know what to think here. Uh, so, again, that's Dan from Chicago. Uh, I'll do the second one first, unless you want to... No, yeah, that's in. fine. Yeah. <clears throat> well, there was a great profile in the Washington Post today about Matthew Bowling, and they addressed the race stuff. And this is not going to surprise you, but Otto Bolden had a great quote about it. Several great quotes. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, did we bring up the tight? He brings up a Tiger Woods example. Uh, oh, no, bowling. I don't think we brought that up. I don't think. Yeah. I'm trying to load this article, and here it is. But <laughs> Otto said, let's see where it is on this article. I guess I could just do the old command F here for Tiger. Uh, he says, of course, it's going to get him extra attention. He's talking about him being. <clears throat> Why, for the same reason Tiger Woods, when he showed up, got a lot of extra attention. I get it. Anybody who ignores that is being disingenuous. For me, your skin color might get you attention. That gets you to the party. The question is, can you dance? And this kid can dance. Once you see him, the color of his skin is immediately going to be the last thing you think about. Um, yeah. Yeah, he nailed it. Just, yep, that's basically <laughs> said better than what I had in mind. But uh, yeah, I think 100% part of it is race. I think that's you can't really deny that. Um the fact that he did go sub 10, even though it was wind, most people don't care about the wind, that, that was right, part of it. Right. But yeah, the, the fact that it was, it was a white guy, that definitely makes, makes a difference, and it's, it's more of an anomaly. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think unquestionably. But in, in, yeah, exactly like Otto said, it'll, you know, it'll make people know who you are, um, but that's as far as it goes. Uh, I can't remember. Well, he continues with another, oh, with another quote here. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I can't remember which... <clears throat> comedian it was it might have been jerry seinfeld but he talked about how being famous on stage will get you like five minutes of the audience just laughing at everything you say but then you actually mm-hmm. have to be funny like mm-hmm. at a certain point it's like oh that's great like we're so excited that this 
famous person is doing comedy for us right now but then if they're not Mm -hmm. funny after 10 minutes like you're not going to get laughs no matter no matter who you are so i think that's kind of in your experience has that been true i mean yeah because it's it's tough for me because i just get so much attention when i first get on stage but then it yeah it's just i don't bring it usually so you're the guy from the podcast uh he had he had another quote here um and it says, Bolden made a telling point. As Bolden competes in more international events, he will find his races becoming less of a top his race becoming less of a topic, not his races. <laughs> Quote, for those of us who exist in the sport outside of the United States, a fast white guy is not that big a deal. Uh, a fast guy that's not black is not that big of a deal. We're used to seeing it. We kind of laugh at how Americans go, Oh my god, this guy is fast and he's white. Which I think is true. I mean, we're yeah. just talking about Ramel Guliov, right? Or Christophe Lamet. So I I don't know why – now, this article goes into some – I people should Google it. Just Google Matthew Bowling, Washington Post. It's a great article, and it goes into, like, some of the darker stuff that's happened because mm. of his race and the fact that he actively – like, he wants it to go away, like, all the questions about it, and, and his parents want it to go away. He doesn't want that to be part of, of the conversation, but – I think undoubtedly it, 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 it was part of that stew that you mentioned along with the sub 10 time, along with the fact that it's a hundred and not a 200 matters. Yeah. Just in the way that a mile versus web running 353 in the mile versus someone else running 833 in a, in a 3200 matters. Right. Those are numbers that are identifiable that people can build, uh, context around because they've run a mile or they understand that okay anything under 10 seconds in the 100 is 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 super fast i didn't i mean i just thought that that was sort of a given that the people would assume that it's a bigger deal because of the abnormal nature right like yeah you know it's just it's just you don't see that every single day or most days. What's I mean, Lamont's PR is like nine ninety two or something like that. Nine ninety four. Yeah, he's got a few, then, or at least a couple of medals in there, which was you yeah, know, a, yeah, a, a big deal. Sure. But I mean, it was you know, and hey, when um, you know, a Chinese runner broke ten, that was yeah, obviously like people talk about it because it's just something we're not used to seeing. So it's it is European yeah, runner running two oh five in the marathon. It's the it's the same yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, you you'd like to say if the opposite was the case if right yeah if it was if it if it was uh i'm trying you know i it's hard to find an event where it's like the other the the other way around but that that someone would get the attention i guess in the golf example I would say Woods, the tiger, right? yeah i mean that was i mean yeah well, i'm trying, I'm trying so to think it was similar than everybody else was it was a big part of that but obviously it was both for sure maybe race walking would be the appropriate mm. example uh, no, I don't. Except people just don't care but I, enough about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's obviously something to that. People are seeing something that they're not used to seeing. It sort of shakes up their preconceived notions. Um, read the. I mean, the kid seems very grounded. Yeah, and yeah, and I'm sure I future. It makes sense that he would be like, I don't want that to be part of it. And I, yeah, like it. It makes sense, and it's and the yeah, the further away he gets, you know, and and into a regular pro schedule yeah it won't be a big Mm -hmm. deal anymore um in terms of the able body athletes versus disabled athletes i think the pistorius thing obviously because of things completely unrelated to his 
performance on the track yeah got completely that got completely derailed right but for there was all sorts of controversy leading up to that when he got faster and faster and he started getting better and better about the length of the the blades remember there was a controversy he like took a shot at the other the, the brazilian runner yeah. in the paralympics because his blades were bigger it just became a gigantic mess and i think it was a situation where oh let's let him run this will be a good story for track and then once he got in and then science came out and started picking apart the numbers you know then people are like oh okay well maybe there's more to this than we thought you know the 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 long jumper was a marcus rem of germany mm-hmm. who jumps off the and we've had a show about this before back in the day you know he can't he's not able to compete in diamond leagues and in olympics world championships you know he jumps off of the leg with with the prosthesis um so i don't know i mean we i guess you have to look at the deeper at the science clearly the ncaa is um allowing runners to to still compete it's just so it's just so tough um because you want to say okay well let's break up all these divisions right and in the paralympics there's so many divisions too right right about the different you know the um from people who are visually impaired basically runs the gamut so it's i don't know that one that one i mean i'll jump right into the bowling thing this one (laughs) admittedly i don't it's 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 just it's so tough to pull out and because like pistorius was the main person yeah, and involved in this, and the most high-profile person, it got, it got very muddied. Yeah, it's it, it's. I mean, it's obviously a very very tough situation because hey, a lot of people were dealt an unfortunate hand. Like, and you don't want to be like, well, now you're not allowed to compete in this. Where it's, but it's it, it is the thing where anyone who becomes good enough to medal, I think a big majority of people and the, and the and track itself will probably try to wait mm-hmm. and find a way to keep them out. And it's, you could say it's unfair and it, it very well might be, but we just, as good as the science is now on everything, we just don't know how much mm-hmm. of a difference it makes. And it's, you want to be fair to that person. You also want to be fair to everybody else. And it's, and I, like I said, I love those stories. He's right. It's super inspirational and it's, and it's great. And, you know, it's nothing, obviously nothing personal against any of those people. But when you get to the point where you are, you know, getting medals or, you know, mm-hmm. setting records or things like that, it, it, you maybe very well, you know, are that it would have been the greatest athlete of all time, regardless. Mm-hmm. And you would have, you would have said all those things, but people just, I don't think as a whole are going to accept that. And th- there's always going to be the question. And I think that, you know, at, whether that's right or not, I don't know, but I think it's a, it, it's just going to be one of those things that it, there'll be great stories until they're good enough to compete for medals. And then mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of backlash and I think track won't allow it either. So sounds like Semenya. Yeah. I mean, no, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's all that stuff. Whereas it, yeah, we're, we're fine to let all of this happen. And at a certain point, if you're too good, you know, cause mm-hmm. if, if Pistorius was two seconds better, he never would have been allowed to run in a championship race ever. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't. I don't think it ever would have happened. And and like I said, I could say whether it's fair or not, but I just don't think it's a it's a question. It certainly, if you get to world record setting times, I think then you have 
90 percent mm-hmm. of the of the track world probably going hey this probably isn't fair even even though we don't know it's just one of those things yeah i know I, it's been a while since i've looked at all the the research on it just because it hasn't been yeah we traded that enough. hot button issue for another one right. and then another one and then another one but i i, I think it had something to do with like fi- leg fatigue and pistorius's turnover in the back half of the race was just superior to everybody else's yeah he would get like faster as the race went on and yeah it was yeah i said i'm not you know i know nothing basically but it's just one of those things where it's you're just kind of uh when it when you don't really know the answer yeah it seems like people are more likely to not allow it Mm -hmm. so that was a controversial question segment of the show which you know i punted on one but answered the other, so I'm proud of myself. Keep them coming, Dan, in Chicago. Let's go to Matthew from Muskoka, formerly from Toronto. Drink? Sorry. Ever been to Toronto, Jason, he asks? I have not yet, but I've heard it's a, a really cool city. I do, I do want to go. It's such a cool city, I should add, that people spend huge amounts of time watching basketball on big screens in the middle of the city. It's just, there's so much going on that you have to stop for three hours. Just any of our Canadian listeners, just don't listen to Kevin's bitterness. It's, it's just, no, it's not related to you. It's, it's a tough breakup he had with a, with a great small forward who happens to play for your team. Look, it's just all about dub nation at this point. I'm, I says I'm Canadian and a big raps fan. Not so much a Drake fan more on that in a minute. I had been an on and off listener for about a year up until January of this year. Since then, I haven't missed an episode. Well, thank you. I originally heard of your show through Canadian marathoner Eric Gillis. Every time you post a new episode, he would tweet out the link. absolutely love the show. Look forward to every week. I've been tempted to write him many times, especially when you guys asked about cold weather running. I've traded for spring marathons for each of the past four winters, so I know a bit about it. It's cold as hell from October to early May. Ouch. Maybe I shouldn't complain about the 90 degrees. (laughs) That dude from Minnesota had such a strong email on the subject, though. I was laughing pretty hard as you guys read through it. I'm really glad those listeners emailed in to ask about the references and the sound clips in the intro. I was completely in the dark with all that stuff. Jason, I still don't know what it is you always say at the end of the show. To me, it sounds like you're saying just Guinness. <laughs> As if to say that's the only beer you'll drink. Uh, it's I like not that. that. Uh, just a few other random thoughts here. I enjoyed Chief's story about the guy sitting on him during the race. I thought we were never going to hear that story. Um, it feels like he teased us with that topic two months ago. <laughs> Uh, Jason, could you please get House of Run up on Google Play? That's my go-to go- podcasting platform. Mm. I like how he's addressing that to you because he knows I'm not smart. I'm going to add this to the out. notes here to figure it out. Uh, he says, I'm going to order myself a few House of Run shirts soon. Hopefully they ship to Canada. I know they ship to the UK now thanks to Kevin who's just like crushing it so with awesome. the, the merchandise. And it'd be cool if people have pictures of the shirts once they get the shirts. Oh, to, yeah. To send them to us. Please do. That'd be cool. I was, I was like seeing that. I don't really... Uh, have much to add to the actual running content. Well, dude, that should not stop you from emailing in. This show is only partially about running. I didn't grow up in the sport, so there's so much I just don't know about it. seems like a lot of your listeners are pretty knowledgeable track people. I can honestly say I've learned a ton from listening to you guys. I know way more about the American running scene than I do about the Canadian. I'll be cheering for American athletes at Worlds and Olympics. Kevin, sorry for your trolling you on Strava last Saturday. Here we go. Yeah, Don't apologize. Keep, keep on- doing it. On your Strava about the Raps winning in six, I was listening to the recent podcast and got quite a laugh that you brought it up. When I left that comment, the game had just ended, and I thought of your confidently claiming Bucks in six a little while ago. <laughs> did I say? I did. I pick the Bucks. Probably. Oh, I'm sure you did. Uh, 
Yeah. I don't have Twitter anymore, so I thought I'd write it on there. To be <laughs> honest, my chirping comes with some ignorance. I really don't know about the history of Kawhi and the Spurs. As a Toronto Raptors, Toronto Blue Jays fan, I can be a bit defensive. That pretty that pretty well goes for the entire fan base. Those teams are the only two franchises outside the U.S. in their respective leagues. When we do well in the playoff, when we do well in the playoffs, it feels like no matter who the next team is, everyone is against us, and everyone is saying we can't win. So yeah, that's really the only reason I wrote that. Sorry if it touched a nerve about the Kawhi thing. Really wasn't thinking about that, and I don't really see now. I feel see how, bad. Yeah, see how was, nice this guy ju- is. Yeah. You're- I was jo- I was joking. Yeah. I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> I mean, I re- I want your team to lose and lose by a million points, but d- yeah, don't don't apologize for this. Uh, to be honest, I think you guys should cheer for the Raps. They're they're viewed as the underdog, right? And hasn't everyone had enough of Curry and the Warriors yet? No, no, sir, we have not. Uh, thanks for putting out such a great show week after week. You guys are awesome. P.S. Uh, Jason, if I ever get back to Vegas, I'm coming to see your comedy show. Oh, nice. boom. Well, I there you go. yeah don't don't apologize to Kevin. He's he's just uh, you know throwing shade. I'm not sure actually who I'm rooting for in this um, in this finals. Oh, come on. Well, because come I on. I would easily be rooting for the Raptors, but I want no. Durant to leave the Warriors, and it seems more likely that he does that if they win. So I don't really because yeah I'm, I I am sick of the the Warriors winning every year. And no, you're from Northern California. You're a member of Dub Nation too, man. We, <laughs> I've got a lot we, of. You and I have been. Uh, Warriors fans, fan friends, um, but uh, Canadians. Like like this guy, I, I mean, man, he's just showing how Matthew just showing how nice Canadians are, keeping that stereotype going. So because he's apologizing to you after you just make fun of his team, I mean, makes me want to the Raptors. Look, I also, I also like the fact that he was doing it on Strava. I think more trash talk should happen on Strava <laughs> that true. is not related to running. <laughs> I like that idea. D- don't apologize. Yeah. Maybe that's an American and Canadian cultural difference. It's it's fine. I could take it. I just I as I explained before, I just I can't have the Raptors win. I'm not I'm not I'm joking when I say I'm a Warriors diehard. Obviously, yeah, no, yeah, he's, I just can't, you I want can't have them win. You mainly the want the, I mean, there's the quiet thing, but you you also want the Durant to leave and things to shake up a little yes. bit. Yeah, and it's more well, I think right? he's leaving regardless. I don't think this series has so. anything to do with it. But if it gets more supporters to Dub Nation that you think he's going to leave, <laughs> we will gladly accept you. And yeah, Matthew should be uh, should root for his team, be proud of his team. I mean, the biggest fan that he has doesn't live in Toronto and gets out of there as soon as the game ends. That's not an indictment on the city at all. I don't think. I don't think you can yeah. think anything. Cincinnati, Toronto, bad about you're just the... taking out taking out North American cities here, <laughs> one by one. All right, let's go to. Robert, yeah, from Fort Lee, New Jersey. Oh. You ever been to Fort Lee, New Jersey? Northeast, man. Haven't been to any of those. I know. I know. I'm going to keep going, though. He says, Flowtrack, which I'm aware of, just released its <laughs> weekly 2019 individual rankings for all the track, not field athletes currently ranked one number one. Which three men and women do you feel most confident in winning nationals? He lists Oduduru, McDonald, Holloway, Kaladi, Hall, and then Danae Rivers in the 800. P.S. on the men's side, I realize that McDonald and Holloway will have really tight competition. I believe these number ones will step up on the big stage regardless of the competition. prefer to go this route than to pick an event like the 400 where there is no dominant number one. I did my list this morning. I had, you know, He's saying just track because obviously field, I would put Mondo number one. Yeah, that seems like a safe bet. But just in track, I believe I had – who did I have number – man, I already forgot. Hole was – Four. I think I went Oduduru one. Yeah. Oduduru, then Kaladi, then Hull. I would probably have Mc. 
Donald ahead of Holloway just because yeah, this competition. Dan, Rob- Dan Roberts has run thirteen oh seven. Grant Fisher is good. <laughs> Dan Roberts run thirteen oh seven, and then least confident would be the the women's eight hundred with uh, Danae Rivers. So yeah, my my biggest lock on the track is no, you know what? I th- shoot, now I can't remember. It was either Kaladi or Oduduru. Number one. Yeah, those seem I like the safest bets. Yeah, I think I think now I'm thinking it's Claudia not Oduduru. Darn it. Well, anyway, one man, one woman. There you go. You got them both, right? Yeah, and I I, I agree though. I, I I'm I'm with him on holiday. I, even though obviously the competition is incredible, I, I feel like he's going to step up. It would be an awesome test. I mean, it'd be almost like you know you kind of you're a a basketball team that's won a lot of titles, and, and you've suffered some injuries, and there's just. Uh, a lot of questions going in, but but you have the heart of a champion. Yeah, definitely. Question for you about that. Has anybody ever underestimated the heart of a champion? I know it's always said to never underestimate it, but who's actually done that? Right. That's – yeah, that's a good question. The heart of a champion. Who's underestimating that? I, it's I, like the same people. It's it's like the same doctors who give the uh, the diagnostic – you know, the, the very uh, pessimistic diagnoses. Right. Yeah, he'll yeah. never walk again. It's like – you hear a lot of stories about people who walk again after that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that was Robert. Let's go to Matt from Colorado. Yeah, home of the t- home of the top eighteen. He'll explain that in a moment. Oh, I was like, I don't know what that means. Why do people call going to the high school state championships as quote going to states? You're competing against schools in your state only, one state. It must be a regional thing, but I don't understand it. It should be I'm going to state. <laughs> try to change my mind no you're right on this i think we've dedicated time on the show to talk about this topic in the past correct me if i'm wrong which means we're running out of material for <laughs> looping on this stuff but in nevada it was state and it should always be state and if it's if you're saying states it's wrong you're with me on that yeah i i yeah i was going through my head like saying them how i would yeah but if you're a states person like i don't know i guess defend yourself you know bring an email in here i want to i want to hear your reasoning no there's no there's absolutely no reason as also he says also for our state qualifying there are no districts or regionals they take the top 18 non-winated times recorded throughout the year in each event and that's who makes it to state so you could run a fast enough time at the beginning of the year or literally knock someone out of state on the last race of the season to qualify yourself i think it's amazing as the best runner should make it regardless of where you live if a region is weak they should not qualify three to state just because Ooh. you mentioned BYU getting six. In, yeah, that, that's that's wrong. That's so he's fifty percent right here. It is state, but you got to compete against people. You can't just run a time I, once. I kind of like this though. It's it's sports. You're supposed to compete, and I know it's an individual sport. There's so much variability in in racing conditions and and competition that at a certain point in a season, you got to show up and do it against other people. That's what I think. But also in high school, you're racing like ten times plus a season. So like, if you're one of the one of the best, you you should run one of the eighteen best times. And if you're one of the best, you should be able to to do it when it matters. I think. Yeah, but if you had the five five of the eight best runners in your own region, and only you know three of them. Yeah. Like like that. that I get. Like I I'm more upset about those people losing out just because they happen to be in a, a better region. I get that, but there's also the argument of that stuff's cyclical, right? So you never it, – it, it evens out over time. Yeah, but not for and those if you can't be, people. Yeah, but if you can't be in the t- – look, in our sunset region, 
where five made it to state. If you weren't in the top five there, you're not winning. It's just, it's sort of the same. How about this? If you had like four regions and 18 Mm -hmm. spots, you take the top three from each and then you get the the wild cards from uh, the the next best times. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Texas, Texas does something like that. Uh, so he goes on to say, you mentioned BYU getting six in the 10K for NCAAs. Well, the same thing happened with the team here in Colorado. Niwak qualified six kids in the 3,200 out of 18. I think it's great. If you're better than everyone else, you should not be punished by a limit. Let me know what you think. I don't think I could ever go back to coaching regionals to make a state meet, putting all your eggs in one meet at the end of the season rather than trying to put up times throughout the season. Oh, this made me Back think, though. This, I mean, you were just arguing against your what you want to happen at Worlds. Well, no, wor- I mean, Worlds, I want them to qualify throughout the year. No, but, so but Worlds, you time. wanted to go, hey, if there's seven Ken- Kenyans who are among the best, they should all be able to get in. But, yeah. but now I'm saying, no, they should just have to be top three. Yeah, I think the difference there is one's a a world championship, right, where the idea is to make sure that the best people – and they would still have to qualify throughout the year, right? And they have access to to competing against everybody throughout the year in a Diamond League circuit, and you could find – like you could get a – you could have, be reasonably assured that you're getting the best people, I think. Like don't use my own logic. <laughs> I don't know. Jason. I'm I just saying. It's just getting, getting a little sketchy here. Well, they're not going to do. My plan is it's it's DOA. Oh, it'll yeah, um, it'll never happen. And then they, it's you know, yeah, no, and I well, yeah, it's a. I mean, it's it's a valid point. I just I just don't like. There's like so few meets that matter in track as is. Yeah, I don't I don't like taking out more of them, and then especially when you're talking about high school, where again there is so much difference from meet to meet. I like the idea of mixing it, though. I like the idea of both, so that you don't get, uh, you know. Just com- compromising all the time, Jason. Yep. I, I mean, you're right, though. You're right. That, that There's probably some inconsistency there in my point. I would just I would just say on a – they would still have to go through. Like, if you, could, if you could get all the people in Nevada, right, mm-hmm. ahead of time competing against each other throughout the year – enough times to create some sort of meaningful ranking and then take the best regardless of region, I'd be, I'd be fine with that. And I think that's what you can do. You could theoretically do in a, in a diamond league type season, right? With the pros in high school, it's obviously harder to do. So that's, that's where I guess I see the, the, the distinction. I mean, look, we, we have experience from this, right? Like if you just looked at times and performances, when we were in high school, we never would have been able to run anywhere near the kids from Reno. And we still weren't, but we were way closer than we were on paper. And that is important for the <laughs> historical record to be noted. You know, like we would go and we would beat people, right? Yeah. Like that, that, and I, I think that's, that's important. Like the head to head competition matters because not everything is just as simple as a time. So I agree with him on one, disagree on the other. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah. Let's go to John. Uh, another great show, lad. Many thanks for taking the bait over Ovet versus Pre. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Uh, was it Ovet or Cram? I just there's so many Steves over there that are below Pre <laughs> on the pecking order that I can't can't sort them out. Uh, firstly, I fully understand the love of Pre, and I've read and watched pretty much everything about him. 
However, there's a lot of hype. You asked rhetorically if Ovet had a movie about him or a meat named after him. My question in return is whether you think the money and marketing power of the most powerful spoil. Here we go. We're going to get some <laughs> Nike takes here. In history, it had anything to do with Pri's legacy. Um, so that's a no on Ovet's meat and, and Ovet's movie, I'm guessing. Of course, I get the died young and left a good-looking corpse thing. Ouch. But in world terms, he was nowhere near the best young distance runner of his generation. Pre ran his PBs of 1321.9 and 27, 43.6, age 23. By that age, Dave Bedford had run 1317 and 2730. Viren had run 1316 and 2738. I'd argue that Ian Stewart was a better athlete of, as well. He was running 1322 and winning major champs, age 20. Uh, by the way, Ian Stewart was not the posh boy portrayed in pre, but a hardworking class lad from Birmingham. Oh, this is just, I don't even know where to go with this, Jace. When he came to Europe, Pre was beaten week in and week out by the likes of Puttemans, Norpoth, Dixon, Viren, Kvalheim. He never did anything to suggest he could have troubled Viren, Lopes, or Quacks in Montreal. I, I mean, let's look at the, what was the, look, Google this for me. What's the finish, what was the margin in Munich? Um. Can we get that, can we get that number there? Uh, compare Pre to Ovet, age 23, 1974 for Pre, 1979 for Ovet. Pre had achieved track and field world rankings of 10, 4, 5, and 6 at his best event. Ovet had been ranked first twice and second once at 1500 and run the second fastest 1500 ever. As for Charisma, nights at Crystal Palace in London when Ovet ran had to be experienced to be believed. His races were prime time on the national broadcast, and him and co. were headline news in the U.K. at their peak, literally front-page headlines in national newspapers. Everyone was either an Ovet fan or a co-fan. If you were cool, you were an Ovet fan. <laughs> Enough H in history. Jason is more than welcome in Teddington when he comes over. He can run in the footsteps of all the great in Bushy Park um, or do some reps at the Mo Farah track. I'd be <laughs> delighted to buy him a beer. I like this guy. Well, And we can argue over, over this stuff here. Um, two seconds between Viren and Pre in, uh, in Munich. Yeah, no way he could have beat him in Montreal. There's <laughs> no one's ever recovered from a two-second loss. And, and yeah, I mean, and he, you know, obviously just kind of collapsed down the final thing. I mean, it's, you know, Ovet obviously, like you said, had, had the longer career. We don't really know. But, yeah, I mean, Pre was not, um, he was not, like, far and away the best distance runner in the world. But he was, he mixed it up among them. I don't think, I think it's fair to say he was, you know, among one of the best distance runners in the world. He beat Pudemans in that final by the way um yeah how how's that l taste he, i mean he barely lost to stewart but you know hey stewart got the bronze so you gotta gotta tip your hat there um yeah i mean it's it's i mean stewart literally said that pre deserved the bronze right because he ran for gold and stewart said he just settled for bronze uh, that was an actual quote oh is it I think, oh, to be honest right? i will yeah um yeah i think that's true so if yeah, I mean, I think, you know, hey, who knows? obviously we don't know. And, yeah, the, the dying young thing is always going to make you, you know, more more famous. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved to see what Pre could have done the rest of his career. Because he, I mean, these these PRs are, you know, that you bring up Bedford and these other guys. I mean, it were just a few seconds, which is a big deal. You know, 1321 to 1317. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, Especially if they do the, the auto qualifying instead of qualifying through regions. Those would really matter <laughs> a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it would have been it would have been real interesting, and it is it's a, it's a fun thing to argue about. Let's keep it going. All right, next up is we got another. Are we sure that John's not conspiracy got... theory Dwight in uh, just just throwing some Nike well, shit we're in getting, there? That's, we're know. getting 
we're getting a lot from the UK. Something must have happened. I love it. I mean, that's you in, know in the UK, the US representation not that not that strong recently, and getting Canadian emails. And we got one here from Michael in the UK, first time emailer. Big fan of the show. Glad to hear you guys talking about the ludicrous situation with James West getting DQ'd for a false start in the NCAA West prelim. Remember, that was not 1500. Yeah. As a club mate of James in the UK, there's been a lot of discussion about it over here. We're just confused by the lack of consistency. The one false start rule seems to be so arbitrarily enforced in distance racing. Uh, he says Kerr got... Okay, so that was... There was somebody at NCAA Indoors. Mm. He says it was Kerr got NCAA Indoors and the men's steeple at Doha Diamond League a few weeks ago. It should be abolished for races that don't use blocks. While I'm at it, the Diamond League preview song is fantastic. Oh, we forgot to play it before. Oh, man. Can you go back and pipe that in? Of course I can. So that way this... So that way, that way this makes no sense yep. because people have already heard it's it. It's in there. Good. We tricked you. <laughs> Stockholm was a weird... Stockholm was a weird meet, but from a British perspective, it was good to see Dina dominating and Laura Mir bounce back from an upset at the Westminster Mile. Yeah, I guess from the British perspective, it was cool. Yeah, I'm 100% on this abolished distance false starts yeah. movement. There's a better, yeah. Um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a way to make it better. Don't call it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, That's unless it. it's blatant. I mean, I mean, even then, you could do, you know, do the everyone this kid, gets... This guy's career ended this this is the, this is how he literally ended his collegiate career yeah that that's garbage it's just garbage just reline them up and let's let's do this come on sometimes we can use logic. shoot the gun and you're right it's inconsistent i remember pre a couple years ago allison felix like clearly false started and everyone knew it's like no we can't <laughs> it's 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 allison felix in, in the pre-classic right she's gonna run the race <laughs> she's not gonna get dq'd uh, you can run some races under protest. Other races, you can't. Nobody knows which ones uh, are eligible for protest and which ones are not. Some, if It seems like if you create enough of a situation with the official, they'll just let you stay out there. So it's incentivizing bad behavior and general defiance in some cases I've seen. It doesn't make any sense. There needs to be clear rules about this. Uh, about what you can protest, what you can't. And I think the fewer rules, the better. I'm a track anarchist, Jason. I'm a trackerchist. And I think there's fewer points of controversy if you just allow some stuff to go. And one thing, easy thing to go would be a false start in a distance race. Yeah. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Because it's absolutely insane. It is. Yeah, oh, I agree. It's insane. I agree 100%. I agree. Get mad about this, Jason. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got a lot. We got a lot here. We got a voice memo from Aaron in Canada, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, here's Brian, though, the emailer for me from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Titled The Jason Jinx. First, the uh -oh. 27 World Champs 200. Now, the men's 1500. Come on, Jason. Okay, the men's 1500 was on life support before Jason's comments last week. <laughs> Kevin, hold on to that towel. Don't throw it in just yet. If the meet formerly known as the pre-classic is a bust, then you can throw in the towel in the men's 1500. Well, that's a mile probably because mm. it's a Bowerman mile. Yeah. But I'll still, yeah, I'll still throw the towel in. I chalked this one up to the weather. It had potential, but Middle Britson DNS. Little Britson was coming off illness and exams, but closed that last 200 like a freight train. And clearly Menangoy had an off day. As commentator Steve Cram said, it might have been the worst time league 1500 <coughs> that he's seen. 
On a lighter note, performance of the day may have been Warholm in the 400 or Kip Richard the 10K under better conditions. Warholm may be able to hold his own with Benjamin and Samba. I disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, he ran uh, that's really well. Like He's a half a tier behind. Yeah, this guy's on another level. But, yeah, he, he's just unfortunate that he's competing right now with Samba and Benjamin. Yeah. Two of the yeah, guys. If he could take a little, little, you know, half a step up, then he'll be... He'll be there, but yeah, pretty easily third right now. Mm-hmm. All right, we got one here from Marshall. Yeah, about the Festival of Miles recap, which I want to hold for next week just because it's long. And we also got one. Uh, I'll read this one from Tommy from York, PA. It's short, has to do with this week's meet too. Uh, he says, "All right, I've had enough." I've had enough of the IWF or the internet in general making matchups to hype up the general public when we all know it's a bit of a stretch. First, Mo Farah versus Lee Kipchoge. We all knew this was not actually going to be a competition and would be amazing if they were even within a few minutes of each other. Now we have Michael Norman versus Noah Lyles. I'll admit this is a better matchup than the previous, but still Norman will run well, but he's not going to beat Lyles. Lyles is too dominant in that event. For me to bet against him, as the theme of this show goes, I will keep betting on Noah Lyles in the 200 until Noah Lyles is handily beaten. And I do not think that will happen this week. Last week, I emailed about Marley Starlipper's 438-1600 and what time placed her on the PA all-time list. Well, that would put her fourth. Is that what you guessed? <sighs> you guessed like ninth. It might be. I I, fourth is like one, usually like my default guess in things, so it's very possible <laughs> that was it. Uh, it would put her fourth because the next week at State, she ran 437 but lost by .4, moving her into third, the girl who beat her. Taryn Parks moved into the second all-time spot. Wow. This is good PA trivia. Weekly challenge, who is the world championship record holder in the men's 5,000? I'll guess Bekele. Yeah, I mean, that would have been my but, guess, but I'm guessing it's not because it's a because it's a trivia challenge. Not much less important. No, that's a, like a triple negative here. Let's try that again. I mean, world championship or Olympic records? Very low on the records. Totem pole. Mm. I'll say that. Right? Yeah, I mean, well, he has. I mean, soil records are the ultimate. He has. Who is the world in worlds in parenthetical? So championship record holder. So that include that includes Olympic and worlds. I'm assuming. Oh, I don't know, but either way. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's you know the championship in a distance race. Yeah, it's it's kind yeah, of it's, it's, it's meant for fun trivia. I think. I think that's the the home of, of no, these kind Jason. Of questions. I'm not gonna have fun. I'm gonna argue about <laughs> everything this week. <laughs> But okay. I'm intrigued. Yeah, Pakele, easy guess, but uh, who knows? And the the yeah, Norman Lyles, it's it's definitely not fair at Kipchoge, um, but I mean, I, I think his point is made. Lyles is, yeah, the safe bet until he loses. Norman's potential is through the roof, and I think he could run something really good. But yeah, I just don't think anyone in the world's mm-hmm. on Lyles' level right now. Shall we play this voice? memo yes i don't know what i haven't listened to it. i have no idea what it's about or if it's i haven't it's either but it's it's a get from canada so i'm hoping it's some some trash talk to you maybe it's a canadian record song oh we've got like two of those, those five thousand <laughs> hey house of run it's aaron here from canada just walking into work at 7 a.m uh you know it's a glorious morning here in canada we have uh well yesterday Gabriella de Best Stafford uh, set a new national record in the 5,000 meter at Stockholm. She punched her Tokyo ticket and she laid down a blazing final lap, too. Too bad she faded to fourth. I mean, that sucks, but you know what? 
I didn't see it coming. That was amazing. Um, that's her third national record of the year. And she's so young yet. She only just graduated university last year. She's training in Scotland with uh, Laura Muir. I see only good things coming for her. And uh, on another note, I heard there was some basketball played last night. And perhaps some of the tall fellows won. I'm not sure. Anyway, have a great day. Bye. Okay, that, that voice memo? Yeah. Great advertisement for Canada. We've never had audio. Like, we've had Chief calling mm. in his car, and, like, trains are rushing by as he's probably holding up traffic. Right. You have birds chirping? That just sounded yeah, it did sound nice. Pleasant. Going for this nice, so nice walk out there. Yeah. And, of course, he, mm-hmm. you know, just gently mentioned the basketball with some some tall people running. Yeah, thrown in there. I was That was good. Thank you for the, the voicemail there. Uh, I think, and he says, like, walking to work. Yeah. This is very Canadian it, overall. The accent was cool. I like it. Thank you, Aaron. That was good. That put me in a good headspace. Okay, good. Uh, I mean, I look, once the series is over, I'm fine to recognize Canada. Again, I cheer for your hockey team. Uh, I cheer for your baseball team. I think Vlagro uh, Jr., big fan, huh? You seen? You seen uh, I do like Vla- I, well, I like Vlad Guerrero's. I always liked watching Vlad Guerrero Sr. Uh, then so you, you'll like the son. Like, he's he's fantastic. He, he well, I just remember the Joe Carter jumping around the bases was like one of the few baseball games I watched growing up. I always thought that was so cool. Yeah, that was that was a great Talk- touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run. Yeah, tossing off the helmet. Yeah, and I mean, was it disrespectful to the game? I don't know. Maybe Cardinals <laughs> fans would say so, but that's what uh, that's what I liked about it. Uh, so I'll cheer for them for everything. Again, I've been to Montreal, beautiful. Been to Vancouver, awesome. Have been to Toronto. Still debating that, depending on the outcome of the series. But great job, Canada, and great job, Gabrielle Debose Stafford, with that win. Yeah, trains with Laura Muir. Didn't know that. I didn't either. know that either. I, I, I like that. That makes me. That makes me even more excited for. Her. We're getting so international now. I love it. This is good stuff. Kind of, kind of worried we're gonna. Neglect our American roots. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. How's run at gmail.com is the email address. I'll be out at NCAAs the next couple days. And then we got the Rome Diamond League on Thursday as well. So there'll be so much to discuss next week. We'll reconvene on Monday or Tuesday. So if you have questions, comments, or rants, send them into house of run at gmail.com or record a voice memo like Aaron on the way to work. With birds chirping and sunny skies over your head. And we'll play it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all the emails, everything. They were fantastic. Keep sending trash talk to Kevin, especially if the Raptors win. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to it. Well, I'm going to be unable to watch the next two games because it conflicts with the meet. Mm. So that'll be that'll be tough. That'll be tough to follow. But I have uh, maybe it's for the best. Maybe it's for the best that I'm not watching the game Pro- get too far probably help your sanity yeah so again like if you've lived and died like the warriors <laughs> like i have growing up in the growing up in the east bay just going to games at oracle with damian lillard and all the other people who went to get <laughs> that's all i got all right that's it again thank you everybody for downloading jason's gonna try to get this on google play but in the meantime it's on apple podcasts it's on stitcher it's on Spotify, and it's on HouseOfRun.com. It's on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash HouseOfRun. Oh, yeah. So a lot of different ways to listen. And if there's other platforms you want to get it on, just let us know. You can also buy the shirt at HouseOfRun.com. Look in the show notes. 
where it says shirt. Click that link. Very simple. Very bare bones. Uh, we will talk to you guys in seven days. Jessica Ennis. Just Guinness. <laughs> Look up uh, Ortis Delay I, Jessica Ennis for if people who do not so know. At first, if you still don't know. If you don't know, then you know. Okay, so at first, mm-hmm. I was like, how could you hear Just Guinness over and over again? But then I remember when Taylor Swift came out with that song. And it was uh, Gotta Love Those Star-Crossed Lovers. The, 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 blank Spaces, that song. Oh, you know? yeah. Star-crossed lovers to me always looked like sounded like Starbucks lovers, and I was like, "What? Like, is she doing product placement for Starbucks? Like, Taylor Swift would never sell out like that." So I googled it, and it was like there was like a whole article of like why people hear this sound in this song, right? And there was a bunch of science behind it, which I didn't understand. But like, once you hear something, it's very. And now I hear Starcross. I don't hear Starbucks. But for a while, I was like a hundred percent sure it was. Starbucks. I don't know if that was a Laurel and Yanny situation or what it was, but it was playing games on me. I think that's what's going on with Jessica and us.